0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, June the 13th, 2022. It is currently one o six p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, before I say anything else, I want to begin this episode by reading two very important passages of Scripture. There are many I could have chosen, but I've decided just to narrow down the list of of possible, you know, Scriptures that would be very relevant to this, to these two. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Let me me read this to you again. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. I'm going to read that to you one more time. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. I want these words to just be absolutely at the forefront of your brain as we do what we're going to attempt to do in this episode. Let me read it to you one more time. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. You may want to write all of those down on a piece of paper. If you're listening somewhere where you can have a notebook open, you may want to just write all of those down and just... Continue to look at that over and over and over as we review some audio that's going to be shocking, disturbing, may make you very emotional, may make you very upset, and may make you very discouraged. I want you just to know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, this is very important, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. That is the fruit of the spirit. And in many times in my Christian life, I have, well, I've not demonstrated that fruit at different times. And probably there are situations where you haven't as well. Sometimes I have not shown love, not shown joy or peace or long suffering or gentleness or goodness or faith or meekness or temperance. I've shown things in direct contrast to that at different times because my sinful nature is still there, and so have you. But that's that's what the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to demonstrate and produce in our lives. That's what should be shown. That's what we should be striving for. That's that's what we want to see cultivated in our life. Another passage of Scripture that you're very familiar with. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity or love, it profiteth me nothing. Charity or love suffereth long and is kind. Charity or love envieth not. Charity, love, vaunteth not itself; is not puffed up; doth not behave itself unseemly; seeking not her own; is not easily provoked; thinketh no evil; rejoiceth, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. That's what we're called to do. We are called to demonstrate the love of God. We are called to demonstrate the love of Christ. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering is the fruit. We're called to to love others. We're called even to love our enemies. These are like basic elements of Christianity. But somehow that love, that peace, that joy, that meekness, that gentleness, that this idea of love as given to us in 1 Corinthians 13, somewhere, somehow in the world of, of, uh, I should say this, and certain elements of Christianity, We've almost thrown those ideas out as if they're antiqu- antiqu- they're something of the past. They're antiquated. They're, they're something of the past. They've become an antique of some yesterday, of some yesteryear of Christianity that's no longer relevant in 2022. Because the Christianity in 2022, in the minds of many, is something that has to be more hateful and mean and divisive and cruel and unloving and and just filled with everything opposite than what we're called to be it's almost like the christian look at our culture today the culture is divided there's so much anger there's so much hate there's so much discouragement and depression the culture is 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 sick beyond anything that we can you know, even hope to understand, but that sickness is very prevalent and relevant and prevalent, and it is relevant to discuss because it's inside the church as well. In many cases, we have adopted the spirit of the age, the spirit of the world. Instead of of looking to, to demonstrate what the Bible calls Christians to be and how we are to think and how we are to act. We've taken on attributes and characteristics that are more worldly and fleshly than that which is spiritual and godly. Now, it always happens because the church lives and breathes in the world. I mean, look, all the way going back to 1 Corinthians, I've stated it so many times, 1 Corinthians is a letter written to a church located in a city in which the city was influencing the church more than the church was influencing the city. That's always the problem. Wherever the church finds itself at whatever age, whatever year, whatever century, Wherever it finds itself, the spirit of the world begins to well infiltrate the church. And we begin to act like it, talk like it, think like it. And the church has become so politically hijacked, so a uh, filled with almost a hatred for its enemies, not a love for its enemies, not a turn the other cheek and pray for them which would despitefully use you and persecute you but it's it's vengeance and striking back and mocking and condemning and just an ungodly arrogant attitude that has crept into so much of Christianity now when I say that I'm not saying every single church I'm not saying every single ministry I'm assuming everyone understands that. I'm saying there is large sections of Christianity that looks like something other than what Christ calls. It's not demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. It's not demonstrating uh, that, you know, love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Love doth not behave itself unseemly. Love does not seek her own. It is not easily provoked thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Something other than that has replaced the character and attributes of many within the body of Christ, and it is frightening, and it is horrible. Now, I know some will say, well, some of those people aren't Christians. It's not for me to sit there and try to figure out who is and isn't. If someone claims that they've put their faith in Jesus Christ and they're trusting in him for their salvation, then I'm going to say I'm going to refer to them as a Christian. God knows there may be some issues with it, and at some point you may have to say, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm just saying that there are many who profess faith in Christ, let's say it that way, that don't seem to care to demonstrate the character of Christ, and they don't seem to to follow the character or demonstrate the character of Scripture. Now we all fall short, but some seem so divergent from it. It's something other. It's like, what is that? I know what they call it Christianity, but it's lacking basic biblical ideals, and 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 it's just something horrific and horrible. Now I I know I've, I've spent a consider- considerable amount of time just repeating. And rereading some of those verses, because I just want you to have that in your mind. And the reason we're doing this this afternoon is an unfortunate reason. Because it's not like I can sit here and, and, a po- and in a sense preach a positive message, but we're going to have to review something that is making, it's all over the news. People are talking about it. I've already received countless messages today in regards to it and it's horrible, and it's something other than than what I think is biblical Christianity, but the people who obviously involved with it would say, not only is it biblical Christianity, you're the one who's not uh, truly a Christian, which even makes it more frustrating and more irritating. But here's how it started. It started this morning. I think it started on Discord, where someone in the Discord channel posted an article from NBC News that was published on June the 9th, 2022 at 12.45 p.m. So it was a couple of days old, but that's what happens a lot of times with a news article. Something gets posted and it takes a few days maybe for it to start to, to gain some momentum and start making its way. On one hand, I would like to just ignore it and just say, you know what, I'm not even going to talk about it. But when more and more people are saying something about it to me, then I feel like, well, I have to address it and I want to address it in a different way. Because of what a lot of people are going to do are going to take the news article, read the headline, read some things from the article, and just offer their opinion. But what I want to do is dig in deeper and actually review what everyone is talking about. And we're going to listen to every single bit of it, no matter how long it takes us. This, we're not We're not going to be able to get this done in one part, but we're going to do the best we can. Here we go. Here's the headline. Texas pastor, so right here in the state of Texas, I don't even want to read this headline. Texas pastor says gay people should be shot in the back of the head in shocking sermon. Texas pastor says gay people should be shot in the back of the head in shocking sermon. Now this has happened way too many times. I, what I never understand is, hey, gay people should be shot, but what about fornicators and adulterers and those who look at pornography and those who are uh, divorced and remarried and living in an adulterous relationship? What about all the other sinners? But it's just these sinners that this happens way too many times. But I, but 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 I'm already doing it. I don't want to offer any thoughts yet. What we're going to do is is we're going to listen to the shocking sermon together. Instead of just taking excerpts excerpts from from it, taking, you know, sound bites from it, I want to review the entire thing because the sermon is still available online. I don't know how long it will be available online, but for some reason, the church has not taken it down. I'm assuming that means they don't care what the pressure is placed upon them. They're going to stand their ground, and they're going they're going to just deal with the consequences, but it's still there. At this point, I'm not going to give the name of the church. I'm not going to give the name of the pastor. Um, you can find the news article everywhere. Just do a search for, Texas pastor says gay people should be shot in the back of the head and shocking sermon. You can find his name. You can find the church. You can find the church website. So, you can do a search for it. I don't feel like, I don't want to give that, I don't I don't even want to talk about this, but because I don't want to give them any more attention, but it's already everywhere. So I feel like that what I, the only thing I can do, everyone's going to offer their thoughts and opinions in sermons and in podcasts. Only thing I feel I can do is do something different than most. And that is, we're going to review every word of the sermon, right? That, that will be, will allow them to be heard in their own words. And of course, we will analyze and critique and try to offer a biblical view versus what I clearly is going to become I feel a very unbiblical view that does not demonstrate the fruit of the spirit that does not demonstrate 1 Corinthians 13 13 that does not demonstrate Matthew 5 where we're to love our enemies and what is frustrating is I've already had to do one new I've already had to do one news commentary today about you know a, someone in our government praying for the death of, of our president. And you're like, what is ha-? And of course, trying to use scripture to justify and then laughing about it and getting cheered at a Christian conference. We had to start the day with that. That's already depressing enough. And now this? But sometimes this program becomes, in a sense, hijacked by what is, well, what is most important to look at at a given time. And this seems to be the most, it's most necessary to discuss this right now. And I, ah, I, oh, yeah, I, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time. I mean, I, I really am. I am having a hard time. But I, what I have here's the problem. One of the reasons I kept reading First Corinthians thirteen, and once, and why I kept reading these words. Let me go back to them. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. One of the reasons I kept reading those words is, is to preach to me. Look, there's been plenty of times in my Christian life where I've stood behind a pulpit or I've stood in front of a behind a microphone and I yelling and screaming and upset about something. And I didn't show the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit was lacking. Oh, there was zeal. There was you may call it righteous indignation, but there was no fruit of the spirit. There was no love, joy, peace and long suffering. Now, you've got to have balance because some people will say, well, fruit of the spirit means you never condemn anything and you never get upset at anything. No, there's got to be balance. But in our righteous indignation, in our righteous anger over something, we've got to still demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. It still needs to be present and evident in our lives. So as I'm going to review this, I have a feeling I'm going to get very upset at times. I'm going to get very mad. But if I stop, if I, in the midst of this, don't show the fruit of the Spirit, then, then I'm no better than this. And I think that's one of the major issues when it comes to this entire subject anyway, but we'll 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 get to all of that. So instead of me continuing to talk, are you ready? we're going to take a trip to Texas. I'm in Texas, so it's a short trip for me. I do not know let me see here if I can find out when the sermon was preached. give me a second I'm opening up the church website. The sermon was preached on June the fifth 2022 so we're going to go to a Texas church. On June the 5th, 2022, it was the Sunday a.m. service. The name of the sermon, the actual name of the sermon is Why We Won't Shut Up. I'm not going to give you the name of the church or the pastor. Because in some ways, I don't want to give them any more fame, any more credibility. Because now this unknown church just became famous this unknown church, now all the kind of people who hold to this kind of thinking are going to be drawn to that church and like, we're going to listen and we're going to support you. But, and there's very little you can do about that, but we have to address it. So what we're going to do is we're going, what what had just occurred is they had read, I think two chapters in the book of Acts. They had sung uh, onward Christian soldiers, all right? And uh, they had taken an offering and now they're getting ready to pray which is going to lead into the sermon. Now, when you listen to the words of the prayer, and you'll see why. One of the, Another reason why I kept reading the fruits of the Spirit. You'll, you'll see why here in just a minute. You'll see why I said this, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You're getting ready to see why I repeated that so many times, and it started right here in this prayer that is stated, is prayed right before this sermon, where he calls for gay people to be shot in the back of the head. This is hard to even believe, but here we go.
1: Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our service this morning. pray that you would protect us and uh, just be with us as we go our separate ways after the service, and please fill Brother Dylan Oz with your spirit and enable him to preach his sermon boldly and thunder forth the message you've laid on his heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: All right. So they just prayed that the person speaking is going to be filled with the Spirit, so that the Spirit of God would be, would be there, would be filling him, empowering him, that that would be somehow there. Now this goes to our Bible study exercise we've been doing on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. But but I, I I you I I'm going to just put forth this concept. If the Spirit of God is involved in this sermon, what happened? What happened? What happened? Is does this reflect the Spirit of God? Does this reflect the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? Does this demonstrate that? Does it demonstrate 1 Corinthians 13 and what love is? Does it demonstrate Matthew 5, 44, we're to love our enemies, pray for them that would persecute you and use us? Does does it demonstrate that? Does it demonstrate that we are known by our love? Does it demonstrate that in any way, shape, or form? You can draw your own conclusions, but instead of listening to the news and what everyone says, you're going to be able to say, I listened to a review of the entire sermon and then you can offer your thoughts and opinions. Here we go.
1: Thank you also to uh, Pastor Shelley for giving me the opportunity to preach. And we're here in Acts chapter number four. And you know, one thing I noticed while just reading this chapter is verse 29 where it says, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word and that's my prayer this morning you know if you walked into church this morning you might have seen some threatenings might have realized that there's some people that that don't like us and the title of my sermon this morning is why we won't shut up why we won't shut up because if you walked into steadfast baptist church this morning you might have realized that there's some people that want us to shut up and it's not just these people in the parking lot there's a lot of people throughout this country and this world that wants us to shut up and what do i mean by us i mean bible believing christians I don't mean just Pastor Shelley. I don't mean just Steadfast Baptist Church. I mean Christians that actually believe the word of God. There's a lot of people that want us to shut up today. And I want to give you four reasons why we won't shut up. But before I do that, I want to show you first that there is an agenda. There always has been an agenda to shut up Christians, to shut up people that preach the word of God. And that's why we're in Acts chapter number four. Let's start reading in verse number four. It says this.
0: A couple of things. I don't know if you can hear... Sound like children in the sanctuary. So there's going to be children there. Clearly, there appears to be maybe some protesters in the parking lot. I think that's an important context. And the only reason I say that is we're we're human beings, right? I have flesh, right? Do you have flesh? And guess what happens? Sometimes maybe... You're being attacked. Maybe you're having to deal with controversy. Maybe people are sending emails to you. Maybe people are yelling at you in a parking lot. I don't know what the protesters may or may not be doing, but that can rile up the flesh. That can, that can stir up the flesh. And it's always dangerous to stand in the pulpit or it's dangerous to stand behind a microphone when, you, when your emotions are high. I'm not saying that this is the case and in no way, shape, or form am I excusing anything. I'm just trying to provide as much context as possible. I just know that it is always dangerous when you get emotional. and You're bothered by something to stand behind the pulpit when you when you're you know you're getting ready getting ready to do a podcast episode and someone's emailing you saying you know you're an idiot or whatever. You've got to be careful because that can be the wrong time to record or the wrong time to go live. I'm not saying that's the situation, but it does provide a little context here. But it is also sad. That if what is being reported is true, young children are about to hear this, and uh, that's kind of frightening. But let's let's see how it's said. Let's 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 not jump to any conclusions yet. I'm, I know what the news is reporting, but let's let's see what is actually said. And he's putting forth the idea the world is trying to shut us up. The world is trying to shut us up. Now, Christians in America love to claim we're, they're trying to shut us up. They're trying to silence us. They're trying to silence us. As well, there's churches on every street corner. There's Christian radio all over the United States and that we post millions and millions of sermons online every single day, but they're trying to shut us up. Now, I'm not saying there aren't times where there's some issues. You're like, okay, maybe that's overstepping your boundary there. Maybe we have to fight that in a court of law. But I think sometimes Christians, at least in America, Man, as soon as one little thing goes our uh, go, doesn't go our way, we start screaming persecution, and they're trying to silence us, and they're trying to shut us up, and they're trying to shut us down, and and it's like I don't know, I, I think I think sometimes we 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 I hate to say it, we come across a little bit like drama queens. We come across like what's our issue? But let but let's see where he goes with this. Let's see.
1: And as they spake unto the people the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now even tide. So what's the context here? Peter and John had just got done healing a man in Acts chapter number three, and they just got done preaching the word of God. And notice how these people, they're grieved. They're The emotion that they're feeling by Peter and John healing someone And preaching the word of God, what emotion do they have when they're doing this good act? They're grieved. It pains them. It makes them angry that they're preaching the word of God. And notice, what is the message that they are preaching? Preached through Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. These guys are just preaching the gospel. So it's not just Leviticus that makes people really mad. You know, They want to act like, oh, if you would just stop preaching Leviticus, then we would be content. But look, these guys were grieved because they were preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we should never ever give up on anything the Bible says because people are not gonna be content until this Bible is gone, until we don't preach anything out of it because these people hate God and they hate everything that's inside of the word of God, even the sweet stuff like the resurrection of the dead of Jesus Christ. I mean, can you deny what is in front of your face right now? Verse three, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day for it was now even tied. So what do they do? They threw them in hold, they threw them in jail why? Because they are preaching the gospel. So even during the days of the apostles, there was this agenda to shut up those that preach the word of God. Acts 4, verse 5. Let's read. Acts 4, verse 5 it says this. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, notice, they've got their political leaders and they've got their religious leaders. Everyone's joining together in this effort against Christians preaching the word of God. Verse 6, and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John, and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them, that's the apostles, in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done unto the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone, which was set at not of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there their salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now this is some hard preaching right here. These guys just threw them in hold. They're wanting them to stop preaching. And Peter and John... To the face of the people that hate them are laying the blame of the murder of the Lord Jesus Christ squarely at their feet, telling them that to their face. That's hard preaching. You know, we're really used to preaching to a crowd that already agrees with us, to a crowd that already believes the word of God. But these guys are telling people that hate them to their face, hey, you're the one that crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. That's hard preaching right there. After you already know they want to throw you in jail. And, you know, so today, these men, they would be labeled as hate preachers. They would say, this is an anti-Semitic message right here. This is hateful against the Jews to look at the rulers, to look at them and say, hey, you're the ones that crucified the Lord Jesus. And there would be a a effort today to shut these men up. But guess what? There was an effort back then to shut these guys up too. And there's always been an effort to shut up preaching of the word of God. Look at verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of him That they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Notice, they can't beat you in ideas. They can't preach something better. They can't say anything against the fact that Peter and John literally just healed this man and he's standing right there. They can't say anything against it. So instead, what they want to do is silence them, is put them in jail, is tell them to shut up. And it's the same thing today. People can't beat our ideas because guess what? We're preaching the Word of God, we're not preaching our opinion. We're preaching the King James Bible, and people can say nothing against it today. So instead, what they want to do is shut us up, is ban us on YouTube, take away our building, protest us, threaten us, and eventually throw us in jail and eventually kill us.
0: Okay, now going full in. Uh, that that okay. Uh, obviously, it's a King James only church, all right? So possibly in the Independent Fundamental Baptist realm. I'm assuming. KJV only, it sounds like, and once again, that they want to silence us, they want to ban us, and then they want to imprison us, and then they want to kill us. Christians are always talking like, you know, we're all going to be killed, we're all going to be killed, we're all going to be killed. Now, we do understand that persecution will come, but sometimes Christians, I think, try to see it around every corner. I mean, I've been hearing it at least since the 1990s, that's it, they're going to round us up, we're going to be in FEMA camps, they're going to kill us, they're going to microchip us, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Here we are in twenty twenty two, and I have have no problem posting all of my messages and all over the, all over the internet on every podcasting platform never had an issue now I've had a couple of issues on YouTube and that's not even because of the actual content it's because well I put something in the 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 title of the episode that for some reason YouTube didn't like so we've had some issues with YouTube they got they've gotten a little bit better because the last time they made a claim they went back and verified that it wasn't true and they actually did something about it, which I'm very grateful. But um, early on, we were having, I mean, we got pretty close to being banned from YouTube. But again, even, even if you say that, that's not persecution. Let's make it very clear. That's not persecution because it's their platform. It's their, if they ban you from YouTube, that's not persecution. That is a platform deciding what they will and will not have on their platform just like there's countless other platforms that may say, Nope, you can't be on this, you can't be on that. There are Christian platforms who would say, You have to, your, your sermon has to meet the, this statement of faith. And if you do this, you can't be on our and we can remove any content any way we want, any anytime we want. Different platforms can have different rules and can decide which content they want. That does not necessarily make it persecution. I mean, they may be inconsistent in the application of their rules, they may not communicate very good with your rules. You could talk a lot about what they do wrong, but you still have to allow them to do that. And we also have to realize Christianity has a long history of the one trying to silence people and censor people and close things down. It's been Christians who've boycotted and, and wanted a concerts not to happen or, or albums not to be sold or video or movies removed from a platform or, or boycott and try to, you know, hurt Disney or whatever the case may be. Christians have played some of the same games of, in fact, I've, I typically joke that Christians canceled, uh, created cancel culture. And now they're just mad that it's being used against us. We, we so yeah, but all right, that's his, his premise. And so they're, they're going to come for us. They're going to try to close us down. They're going to try to silence us. They're going to put us in prison. They're going to kill us. So in a sense, it's going to create this feeling, just like the, the, the disciples were under threat, we're uh, experiencing that same kind of threat. All right, let's see where this ultimately leads to. Well, uh, let's see if we can even get to the part that is being reported all over the news.
1: That is the, that is the plan. That has always been the plan of these wicked people. Verse 15. When they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, and notice this question, what shall we do to these men? Let me tell you right now, this question is being asked today in our country. What shall we do to these men? This question is being asked by our government. This question is being asked by the Sodomites. This question is being asked by corporations that want to silence us. What shall we do? to these men. These men meaning people that actually preach the word of God. You see, people aren't protesting today Joel Osteen's church. People aren't protesting today this church across the street right here. People today aren't protesting Todd White's church this morning. I've heard he's had protests before. I don't know why anyone would protest him. But look, people today are protesting where the word of God is being preached and where people are not afraid to stand on what the Bible says. That is who the devil's coming after.
0: Okay, so they're going to boy, they're going to, they're going to protest us. They're going to come after us. What's funny is why I'm listening to this sermon. I literally just received an email from American Family Association, an AFA action alert. Boycott Disney's new movie, Lightyear, starting this week. So, hey, we got to boycott something. So. Immediately we gotta we gotta do some more boycott. We gotta we gotta So I mean Christians play the same game, boycott, let's do whatever we we gotta make everyone do they gotta do what we want. They gotta make movies that we want. If you don't make a movie that we don't want, we're gonna boycott you. We're gonna it's like why not just, just don't watch the movie and just press on with your life? But no, 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 no. We're going to try to make some statement. We're going to try to hurt you economically because because we want you to do what we want. We want you to make movies that we want. We want you to live like Christians even though you're not. It's, it's it's the same thing. So he's turning it that hey they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna protest us. They're gonna come after those who truly preach the word of God. Those are the ones. So it's creating this kind of atmosphere. Now, I'm not saying that there's no truth to this to some level that that biblically, yes, that those who try to live godly, there will be persecution, and there will be times of persecution. It's happened throughout church history, right? But at the same time, I've seen a lot of hyperbole, exaggeration, and predictions that never came to pass or are looking just almost like almost begging for some persecution so that we feel like oh yes yes it's here it's almost like some christians want it to happen in the next 15 minutes but let's see where he goes with this
1: not coming after people that aren't actually preaching the word of god and they want to shut us up today they ask this question what shall we do to these men for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in jerusalem and we cannot deny it but that it spread no further among the people notice their goal is that our message doesn't spread. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. So what do they do? They conspire, they confer with each other, say, what do we do about these men? Let's call them and let's threaten them. Hey, I'd like to show you our voicemails because you know what it is? It's a bunch of, bunch of calls which, with a bunch of threats, okay? Calling us, saying that they want to murder Pastor Shelley's family saying that they want to rape Pastor Shelley's wife and kids, saying that they want to come up here with AK-47s and kill Christians, literally, that's the things that are being said in our voicemails, Because people want to shut us up. People want to threaten us because they can't stop the message. They know the word of God is true. So instead, they want to call us and threaten us, just like it says here, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. That's what's happening. This is, hey, we just reported you to the FBI. Uh, okay, uh, FBI, uh, Christian pastors preaching the Bible. Who cares? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna report you to the IRS. Hey, God, money isn't our God like it is for you people. Right. Take away our tax exempt status. Who cares? It's not gonna stop anything. Oh, we have to pay a little more tax. Who cares? We don't worship money like you guys do. We worship the Lord, and we'll pay any price to continue to preach the word of God. You're not going to scare us by your voicemails. You're not going to scare us by reporting us to the IRS. You're not going to scare us by reporting us to the FBI. You're not going to scare us by doing anything. We're preaching the word of God. Keep your place there and go to Psalm chapter number two. Keep your place in Acts throughout the sermon. Psalm chapter number two, and I'm just laying this foundation, showing you that there's an effort to shut us up. Psalm chapter number two, verse one, says this. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. You know, you have to be a fool or you have to be someone that does not believe the Bible to say that there's not conspiracies going on in this world right now. The Bible says that the kings of the earth the rulers of the earth, they set themselves, they come together, and they conspire against God. And let me tell you, YouTube and Facebook and Google and our government is conspiring against the Lord today. And the people that are in high positions of power, the spiritual wickedness of our country in high places, they are conspiring against God's people today.
0: I want you to know something, and I'm going to verify this. I'm going to verify this. So before I say it, all right. So he's up there. They're all coming after us. They're all conspiring against us. Don't say there aren't conspiracies because they're conspiring to get us. They're going to persecute us. um, If you go to their church website, I'm going to verify this. Oh, look, they're on YouTube. (laughs) Okay, so they're on YouTube. You know how YouTube is conspiring against them? You know how YouTube is, is... now, this sermon that you're listening to is not on YouTube. Well, I can say it probably got taken down because well, of all of the news coverage. But they still have a YouTube channel, it appears. Or at least when I click on their sermons, it takes me there. I could do a little bit more research. Either they're just posted somehow randomly, but it looks like they have a YouTube channel. So YouTube is conspiring against God, but it lets this church post their sermons on it. My I wonder if they have a Facebook page. I wonder. I wonder if they do. I wonder. I wonder. See, it's one thing. They're conspiring against us. They hate God. But we're going to use those platforms because, wait, I thought the platforms were, were conspiring against God. They would get rid of you, right? So which is it? Are they conspiring or are they actually helping you spread your message and your theological perspective? Because you're clearly using YouTube. I don't know if they're using any of the other podcasting platforms, but they're clearly using YouTube. So which is it? The, the organization that's conspiring against God is allowing you to preach the gospel on their platform. You see, it becomes a little disingenuous, right? A little, they're after us. But they allow us to preach the gospel on their platform. That doesn't sound like a. It sounds like maybe YouTube needs to do a little bit better in their evil conspiracy. They probably should have a meeting immediately and go, "Hey guys, what are we doing? We're letting people preach the gospel on this platform, and we are evilly conspiring to stop to stop it." Well, can 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 we can we sure up our our, our plans here and start deleting everything that has Christianity on it or in it? I just again that's why we review this so we can we can look at all the context and look at everything that takes place but let's continue let's see where this goes.
1: And it's always been the case. It's no different. It's not like this just started with our church. I'm proving to you that this has always been the case. Let's go to John chapter number 5. Think about the Garden of Eden. You know, the devil right away is attacking God's word. The devil right away is trying to cast doubt on on God's word. That's always been his agenda is to stop the message to stop god's word john 5 look at verse 18 therefore the jews sought the more to kill him sounds like a conspiracy to me because he not only had broken the sabbath but said also that god was his father making himself equal with god look they wanted to kill jesus because of what he said matthew 23 flip over to matthew 23 verse 29 i'm gonna go through a few verses here matthew 23 29 this is what jesus said woe unto you scribes and pharisees hypocrites because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. He's saying, look, you're making the gravesites of these men of God look really nice. You're taking care of them. But notice what he says in verse 31. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, How can ye escape the damnation of hell? He's saying, look, you know, your fathers conspired and killed all these prophets, but you guys are no different. You're the same exact way. You're the children of of them that killed the prophets. And guess what they end up doing? Conspiring to kill Jesus Christ, right? Because they want to stop the message, because they want to shut up people that preach the word of God. It's always been the case. John chapter 8, I'll read for you. You can stay there. John chapter 8, verse 40 says, but now ye seek to kill me a man that hath told you the truth which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. So all the way back in the Bible, in the days of the prophets, you see the Jews attacking and trying to kill the prophets of God. In the time of Jesus Christ, you see the Jews attacking and trying to kill Jesus Christ, and they ended up doing that. You you see the Sodomites trying to attack Lot for what he said, trying to shut up Lot. You see in the New Testament, the Jews coming after the apostles and trying to shut them up. And today, it's the same exact thing where wicked people are trying to shut up those that preach the word of God, and especially in the month of June, there's people trying to shut us up when we talk about the issue of the Sodomites, because we're a pretty easy target because there's not very many people doing it right now. Now, thank God there still are other churches in this nation that do preach against the Sodomites, but hey, it's not that many. And today, people want to shut us up for what we preach about the Sodomites, but I'm telling you, we're not going to shut up. And this sermon is to explain to you why we will not shut up. We have four reasons this morning of why we will not shut up. Number one, go to Acts chapter number four. Number one is because we fear God. We fear God. A lot of people today fear man, but let me tell you, when you fear God, that'll change your actions. Because instead of viewing things through the lens of what other people will think or the consequences that you might have when it comes to man, you view things about what God would think and the consequences that you might have from God. Acts chapter number four, look at verse 17. It says, But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. Notice, what was the apostles' response when they were threatened, when they were told to stop preaching? Basically, in a really eloquent form, they said, no, we're not going to do it. And why is it? What perspective did they have that told them, that made them tell these people that they were not going to shut up? Notice, let's read that again in verse number 19. It says, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right, notice, in the sight of God, to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. John and Peter, were they worried about what these rulers and chief priests and Jews thought about them? Or were they worried about what they looked like in the sight of God? They actually feared God. They were viewing things through the perspective of what does God think? What does God want me to do here? And that is what drove them to take the action that they did to say, no, we're not going to shut up. Notice what happened. They actually let them go. And what's funny is people that cower, people that fear man, people that give in to the demands of man to shut up a preacher, to shut up Christians, God will often deliver them to their enemies because they were afraid. But notice these men, they were not afraid of man. They were afraid of God. And what happened? They let them go. And so, you should not worry about the consequences of what might happen to you, what man might do to you. Rather, you should worry about what God thinks about you. I'll read for you Isaiah 8, verse 13. The Bible says, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. I mean, the word dread is such an extreme fear.
0: Now, there's nothing he's saying here that obviously we would disagree with. We should fear God more than we fear men. Absolutely true. Everything here is perfectly okay. We would not have any issue with this. Well, his, so his idea is that they're trying, to get, they're trying to silence us. There's a conspiracy to silence us. Now, we've already demonstrated that their very actions themselves demonstrate that clearly the conspiracy is not quite the way they explained it. But okay, they, so they're setting this up. They're out to get us, but we're, we can't back down. We can't back down. Even they're trying to per- persecute us. Now, a lot, of the, a lot of this may be being driven by what the church is clearly experiencing. Clearly, they have protesters there, and clearly it sounds like the church has received death threats. Now, whenever that happens, I've already said, your flesh can get involved when you start responding. But so far, he's remained far calmer than I thought he was. He's 30, we're 32 minutes, not into the whole sermon, but 32 minutes into the service because they're singing and everything else connected to this audio file. So I don't know exactly how, how far we are into the sermon, but I will say this. I really thought when I saw the news headline, I was gonna be just yelling and screaming and ranting. Maybe he's going to go there but so far, he hasn't. So far, he's, made a very, he's making a, a biblical point that, hey, when they tell us to shut up, we can't shut up because we have to fear God more than fear men. That is a very biblical concept that all Christians should say amen to. I'm just we're, I'm just trying to figure out where this is going to transition into the part that's being reported by the news. We're going to see when, whenever we get there how, how he gets there and what he's actually saying. We're, we're, go, we're going to find out. We're, I'm going to try to take this as long as we can. We'll probably go a little bit over an hour, and then we'll have to do a part two. But let's see if we can at least get to the shocking part that the news is reporting on today. Here we go.
1: The Bible says that we should have the Lord to be our fear, the Lord to be our dread. But you know what many, many Christian preachers today fear and dread is having protesters outside of their building. They don't fear and dread the Lord. And you think about it, I mean, hello, God was the one that burnt an entire city with fire that was full of sodomites. And you're going to be more afraid of the Sodomites than of God? And He's done it more than one time, too, because you have Sodom and Gomorrah, you have Pompeii. By the way, when I lived in the Northwest, you know what's interesting? Right outside of Seattle, you know what there is there? A giant volcano. You know what's weird? What's right outside of Portland, Oregon? A giant volcano. It's called Mount Hood. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, huh, I think I know how this city's end is going to be someday. (laughs) I think I know why God put these volcanoes here.
0: It's Christian men. It's always Christian men. Hey, you you see the volcano? I know how the city's going to (laughs) end. Yeah, they're all going to burn up. (laughs) Let's laugh about it. (laughs) Let's all laugh that human beings will die. (laughs) What is it with Christian men? What is the deal with that? There's nothing funny about that. Even if you believe that those volcanoes are there and because those cities, quote unquote, maybe are predominantly filled with homosexuality and because of that homosexuality, they're going to be destroyed and and that if that's your if that's your approach you should be broken over it you should weep you should cry out god have mercy you should be like you know what because those volcanoes are there and we believe god is going to bring judgment we're going to start immediately raising money to send we're going to try to start a church in portland and we're going to try to start a church in seattle and we're going to do everything we can to get the gospel there we're going to we're going to send bibles like like if you re-. but no they laugh about it laughter Laughter at the prospect that people in Seattle and Oregon, Portland, Oregon, are going to be destroyed by volcanoes as a as a righteous judgment of God upon, I guess, only one sin: the sin of sodomy, and I guess the sin of fornication, the sin of adultery. No, 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 no. It's always the sin of. It's just amazing. It's always the sin of homosexuality. It's it's nothing else. But okay, but but I, I, the, the men laugh that. Why do Christian men do that? Now, I'm not saying Christian women never, never do it, but it's, it's some weird male egotistical, I don't know, like, like men, as Christian men, we still are supposed to have love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance. Like, there's supposed to be compassion inside of us, right? Didn't Jesus weep over Jerusalem? Didn't he?
1: What sense does it make the guy that can just destroy an entire city with fire in one instant to not be afraid of him, but to rather be afraid of these dogs? Makes no sense whatsoever. It makes no sense when there's stories in the Bible where God has just snapped his fingers and caused someone to get leprosy. There's been times in the Bible where God has opened up the earth and let people fall straight into hell. There's been times where people, where God has just spoken the word and someone's just given up the ghost and was just eaten up with worms. There's been times in the Bible where God has judged people very severely. And what sense does it make to not fear the Lord, but rather to fear the protesters, rather to fear the people that live in Sodom and Gomorrah? Rather fear the rulers and the people that want to tell us to shut up. It makes no sense. But today, there's a lot of people that instead of fearing God, they fear losing their job. They fear not getting reelected. You know, a mayor of a city wants to proclaim Pride Month in a city because he'd rather have his comfortable job being the mayor than actually caring about what God says. What a shame that is. What a reproach to even call yourself a Baptist. To attend a fundamental Baptist church to be the mayor of a city and proclaim Pride Month. You are wicked. You're a joke. And God is ashamed of you. You want to be proud of sodomy? You want to be proud of sodomites? God is ashamed of you when you don't stand with the word of God. It's disgusting. You know, God in the Bible sent wild animals that literally just came and ate people. God has sent tornadoes to just destroy people. God has sent uh, forest fires to judge and destroy people. Read your Bible. That's who you should be afraid of, is the Lord, not what man can do to you. And so the apostles here, they had the right attitude because they said, hey, you know, you need to figure this out. Whether it's right in the sight of God to, ju- to hearken to what you're saying to do rather than unto God, judge ye. Figure that one out. Because we actually fear God. We're actually going to preach what God said. And notice, what were they taking a stand on? Preaching the gospel.
0: And I do have to point something out. Maybe he will mention this, but this gets often looked in these kinds of sermons. I don't know why, but it, it can't be, it, it can't be that we constantly just forget this, all right? Um, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness, was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. I want you to hear that again, Ezekiel 16, 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. Now, I'm not saying that's the only sin, but it's just funny that we always focus on one sin. We focus on one wickedness. That's what we focus on, and we ignore everything else. But okay, all right. So let's, let's see. So we, they're, they're coming after us, but we are not going to shut up because we are to fear God than fear man. All right, let, let's see where he goes.
1: ...preaching the gospel. See, the thing is, you have to take a stand on every single thing in the Bible because even if all we're doing is preaching the gospel, there'll still be people that hate us, and there will still be people that want to shut our mouths, and there will still be people that want to kill us. Don't buy into this stupid idea that, oh, it's only steadfast because they preach such hateful sermons and they just preach the Old Testament. No, they're preaching the gospel. It's foolish to say that it's only because of what we preach. No, we preach all of the word of God. We're not ashamed of any of it. Ecclesiastes 12.13, I'll read for you. You can stay there. You can turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. Ecclesiastes 12.13 says this, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That is our duty as Christians, that is our duty as mankind, is to fear God and to keep his commandments. And when you fear man instead, when you obey man instead, what you're saying is that you're more afraid of man than God. What you're saying is that man has more authority than the Lord. What you're saying is you're more concerned about what man thinks about you than what God thinks about you. That's what you're doing when you fear man, instead of fearing God. The Bible says that, you know, keeping God's commandments is our whole duty. You're there in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Let's read one of those commandments. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now, of course, this is to a pastor, but I don't believe that the pastor is the only one that should obey this command. I believe this is for all Christians. 2 Timothy four, two. it says, <clears throat> Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For, meaning because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So the Bible is a command from God to the preacher to preach the whole word of God, to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort. And the reason why is because there's coming a day, and I believe we're in that time.
0: We always, we always leave out with all long-suffering. What does that mean? Okay, But all right, that's okay. I've done the same thing. I've made the same mistake. Forget the long-suffering part, but okay
1: where people will not want to hear the truth meaning when you preach the word of god when you're actually preaching the truth people won't like it people will say that you're not preaching the truth people will not want to listen to you and that is where we're at right now where pastor shelley is seen as the crazy one for preaching the word of god but guess what what he's doing is he's fearing god he's keeping god's commandment to preach the word whether people like it or not and that should be our attitude And even if you never get up to preach a sermon, even if you never get up to preach the word of God, you should at least back up the person that's doing that and support the person that's doing that because they actually are fearing God and not man. Jude, turn to Jude. Look at Jude right before Revelation. No, we just read how one of the commandments of God was to preach the word. Let, Let me ask you though, when was the last time you've heard other preachers preach on Leviticus chapter number 20? When was the last time you've heard other preachers preach on Romans chapter one. I mean, I've been in so many church services where Romans chapter one was read and they preach the first half of that of that chapter about the power of the gospel and all the good part. But as soon as they get to the part where it starts getting a little rough, they're like, oh, out of time tonight. Sorry.
0: Just so that he knows, we've been in the book of Romans since 2019 and we covered every single verse in Romans one and Romans two and Romans three and Romans four and Romans 5, and Romans 6, and Romans 7, and Romans 8, and we concluded Romans 9 yesterday. All right, so there's, there's, there's churches that do. I understand you can get frustrated feeling like there's not a churches out there that do that, but just know that there's at least, there's plenty that do.
1: It's like, it's weird how you're always out of time when it's time to preach against the sodomites. Why are preachers out of time? No, they're afraid of man is what they are. They're afraid of man. What does the Bible say? Jude, look at verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that story in the Old Testament? The city full of Sodomites that God burned and destroyed. And the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication
0: Please note, once again, he's only going to focus on one sin of Sodom. When the Bible says the sin of Sodom was these things, he, he forgets this. And just remember that in the Jude passage, that it that if you, if depending on how you view Jude, and we've been studying Jude, so I, I can make some comments here. The verse before this, speaking of angels who left their first estate, so we there's some who believe that's referencing Genesis 6. There's others who don't believe that was an an, an angelic sin. But if it is referring Genesis 6, and if it is referencing angelic sin of the sons of God being angels having physical relations with the daughters of men, if that is true, then you have this sin of angelic beings trying to engage in physical relations or engaging in physical relations with the daughters of men. Now, in Jude, it makes a reference back to, the very next verse in Jude makes a reference to Sodom and Gomorrah. And remember what happened there. You You had Men, right? The sons of men s- attempting to have physical relations with the sons of God. You had men seeking to have physical relations with angelic beings. So the angels are mentioned in the previous verse in Jude. Then the next verse mentions Sodom, and Gomorrah, and remember that at that the story there was them wanting to engage in relations with angelic beings. Now they may not have known they were angels, which does demonstrate obviously that homosexuality was happening in the city. I'm not denying it wasn't. I'm just saying that we sometimes forget what exactly was occurring there. They were going in a sense after strange flesh in the sense that they were going after and wanting to engage in, well, physical relations with, with angelic beings. And also as everyone yells and screams about the sodomites in that story, let's not forget the wonderful lot who is called a righteous man in the New Testament. Clearly, it's not a practical righteousness. It's an imputed righteousness because he offers up his daughters, and then he ends up getting drunk and having relations with his daughter, not just once, but two times. So let's not forget the so-called righteous person in the story as well, as we yell and scream about the sodomites. Let's not forget the supposed righteous person in the story who offered his daughters to be sexually abused by an entire city of men. And then he ends up sleeping with both of them. Oh, after getting drunk. Yeah, but he's the righteous guy in this story. Let's not forget how the story actually goes. But I guess sometimes all we want to focus on is again, homosexuality, homosexuality, homosexuality.
1: And going after strange flesh, going after strange flesh, something that's gross, something that's weird, something that's sick. You know, a man and his wife, there's nothing strange about that.
0: Strange flesh, could it not refer to the fact that they were going to trying to have relations with angelic beings? I mean, I'm I'm just saying, wait. You have to at least take the entire story into account.
1: You know what's strange? A man with a man. You know what's strange? A man with a child. And what does it say? These cities gave themselves over to that to be with strange flesh. Disgusting. And look what it says. Are set forth For an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Oh, well, that's how God felt about it in the Old Testament. Now God loves homosexuals. Now God, he died on the cross so that you could be with strange flesh. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be a pedophile, and God still loves you. Wrong! The Bible says that when God destroyed that city, that is an example today. Uh, It's not my problem if you don't believe the Bible. Why don't you just tell us all the other things in the Bible you don't believe? What a joke suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers. Oh, I don't like it when you call them filthy. You don't like God when he called them filthy then. What's wrong with you? Why are you afraid of man?
0: I think he's, he's not a handling Jude even anywhere close to honest and true, okay? Let me make sure you understand when it says... Likewise, also these filthy dreamers, that's not referring to the people in Sodom. Sodom is the reminder. Verse 8, likewise, also these filthy dreamers is referring to the men who have crept into the church unawares. It's not, that's the description. He gives a reminder, then he gives a description about. The men who had crept into the church unawares. There are reminders and there are descriptors. The reminders look to the past, and the descriptors look to the present. I, I I spent an hour yesterday going back over how I outlined this and how the book should be broken down. Once again, this is sloppy hermeneutics, sloppy biblical interpretation because he's he's mad, he's upset because he hates. With the sin of homosexuality, okay, but that doesn't give you an excuse to all of a sudden start getting sloppy with the handling of God's word, okay. And I, I would hope that you hate others. I hope you hate your sin as much as you hate their sin. I hope you. I, I hate. I hope you hate your lust and and your sin as much as you hate theirs. It's always easy to hate everyone else's sin. Not as easy to hate the ones that the the sin that we don't have any temptation for. No struggle for it. Isn't it easy how, e- how easy it is to hate it? Isn't it? Hey, I don't have any problems with that. No struggle with that. No big deal. I loathe it. But isn't it interesting how compassionate and long-suffering that we can be when people are committing the sin that we may be secretly guilty of or that we ourselves long for? Or the, when, when, when it hits close to home, we become far more patient, don't we?
1: Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally, notice this, as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves.
0: Please know he went past that really quick. When Michael, because Michael's contending with Satan right? Now, the whole point of Jude is to try to encourage the people to contend for the faith. So he reminds them of the story of Michael contending with Satan, saying what Michael would not do. He did not give a railing accusation, a railing, a slanderous accusation. He conducted himself in an appropriate way in how he handled Satan. So when we're going to contend with those who've crept into the church, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, there is a correct way to conduct ourselves and an incorrect. It's interesting. I, I just love the fact that he's going to Jude, and he's not making any distinction in how the book is structured. There are reminders, which is to is to show the, the judgment of God, which should motivate the people to contend with the people who've crept into the church, because they're going to be judged, and then it gives descriptions of them so that they can be identified but he's just obliterating any distinction in the word of God, not rightly dividing and just, well, just grabbing whatever he wants. And in many cases, keeps supplying it back to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, which that's not what the text is attempting to do.
1: You know what brute means? It means stupid. The Bible says that these Sodomites are dumb, stupid animals.
0: No, it was referring to the people who had crept into the church unawares. Learn basic Reading comprehension, okay? All oh, right, bothers me, It bothers me because because we've we've worked so hard on the Book of Jude, so this is driving me crazy. Come on, if you you're going to call them stupid, look, yeah, focus on what the scriptures who the scriptures are referring to.
1: Brute beast, I didn't come up with that. That's what the Word of God said right in front of your face. That they are brute beasts. They're stupid animals. Elsewhere in the Bible says that they're made to be taken and destroyed, not to be loved, not to be brought into the house of God. All the righteous kings in the Old Testament, when the Sodomites were even close to the house of God, the Bible says that they did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, and they broke down the houses of the Sodomites. That's what God said was right, but a lot of preachers.
0: So they're not to be loved and they're not to be brought into the house of God. So he wants to go back to an Old Testament theocracy where, so I guess, what is he telling the church to do? Don't Is he telling the church to kill them? Is he telling the church to break the, is he telling the church to execute violence against sodomites because we should not love them and bring them into the church? Should we not love them and pray for them and want their salvation? Like, like, where, where is it? It's so weird how you can't draw a, a basic distinction of Old Testament, theocracy, Old Testament, monarchy versus the society which we live today, where Jesus doesn't call for his disciples for killing people, destroying people, but preaching to people and loving our enemies. How can you not understand the distinction?
1: I won't tell you that today. You know, King Asa wouldn't be allowed... In a lot of these churches because he's too hateful because he did what was right people would love to shut him up today go back to acts chapter number five acts chapter number five but when christian preachers don't preach against the sodomites especially in the month of june as our nation completely celebrates this abomination you know what they're saying i'm more afraid of a dumb animal than of god that's what they're saying And what a shame that a pastor, that a Christian, would be more afraid of a stupid dog than of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a shame that is.
0: He's calling human beings created in the image of God stupid dogs. And he's trying to do that from... From uh, Jude 10, but these, now the these refer to the people who've crept into the church unawares, speak evil of those things which they know not, but they know naturally are brute beasts. He's using that to somehow describe sodomites. This is an obliteration of all, of everything in Jude. And, oh man. We have to first realize that they are people created in the image of God that have an eternal soul that we should want saved, not destroyed. We should want them to come to repentance, not eternal damnation. Or or did I miss something somewhere? Did, Did I... Because if they don't deserve it, I don't deserve it. If they deserve to be destroyed, I des- deserve to be destroyed. If they deserve eternal condemnation, I deserve eternal condemnation.
1: Acts chapter number five. Now the context here, Peter and John, once again, were thrown in jail for preaching the word of God, for healing someone. You know, it's the same old story. But the angel of the Lord broke them out of jail. Now look at verse number 25. It says, then came one of them saying, behold the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. You know, they're reporting them to YouTube. They're reporting them to Facebook. They're calling the FBI. They're calling the IRS. They're saying, they're preaching again. What's going on? They're freaking out, right? Calling your landlord. Calling your real estate agent. Everything. They're upset. Verse 26. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, by the way, notice the only reason that these people didn't commit violence against peter and john was because they feared the people And you want to know why these sodomites aren't murdering us and shooting us today is because in america they're still afraid of the police a little bit but let me tell you in the great tribulation it's not going to be like that yeah. they won't be afraid anymore to commit the violence that they want to commit verse 27 i mean when we went to that city council meeting these faggots were literally threatening the mayor to his face in public
0: They just used the word, oh my goodness. All right, we're an hour and 11 minutes. We'll stop right here. We'll stop right here. And uh, we'll do a part two shortly, but wow. You know where, now you can see where this is getting ready to go. This is getting ready to get absolutely horrible. That's a 43 minutes and 27 seconds. 43 minutes and 27 seconds. And they just used a word that I uh, loathe and hate. Oh man. Forty-three minutes, twenty-seven seconds. This is getting ready to get really, really, really bad. Okay, but we're going to stop right here, and we will. I will get back as soon as I can. Um, I've got. Uh, oh man, mm, 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 mm. I cannot believe what we just heard. I cannot believe what we just heard. I can't believe he would use that term. There is no godly reason in using that term. There's just no godly reason. There's just why? Why use such a derogatory, negative term? that has been used to abuse and harass people. He said, well, they use it to describe themselves. It doesn't matter. Be, be, be above them. If you say they use the word to describe themselves, well, remember, you just refer to them as dumb dogs. Well, then why use the ter- terminology of a dumb dog? And how about use the terminology of someone who's supposed to show love, joy, peace, long-suffering goodness, meekness, temperance? How about demonstrate... Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is edifying in the building up of others. How about follow scripture here? Why do that? You, you don't accomplish anything by calling them your little derogatory names. Man. Okay, we're going to stop. I don't want to stop here, but this will get us set up for, for what, what, what what is to come. Oh, man. Mm. I don't know what's happened to Christianity, but we will be back as soon as I can. All right, thanks for listening. Um, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, God bless.